Hello. So in my role as Vice President for Europe, the Middle East and Africa at Facebook, no two days are ever the same for me. In the last couple of months alone, I've been really inspired by the members of Facebook's small business councils across Europe, including meeting an incredible woman called Mel Bound. She's the founder of Mum Runs in the UK, and this is a really fast-growing women's running community that she built on Facebook, but it also offers mums an alternative to the traditional running clubs and gyms. I've discussed how to support tech startups in London with Mayor Sadiq Khan as part of his business advisory board at London Tech Week. I got to post a Facebook selfie with Liam Payne of the former One Direction fame when I hosted him in our offices. I also hosted the Duke of York and his Royal, Her Royal Highness Princess Beatrice at Facebook HQ, where we were discussing a number of topics, including his pitch at the palace, and the Royal Highnesses got to try out Oculus. I've given my opinion on consumer trends and the continued and rapid growth of video in Germany at one of the brand summits in Berlin. And one of the things that I find most humbling about my role at Facebook is really the opportunity to travel and to meet inspiring people that make up our incredibly diverse global community. My name's Nicola Mendelssohn, and I'm proud to say that I am Facebook's VP for the incredible, wonderful region of EMEA. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world, The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. What's something that you've learned recently, either personally or professionally, that has surprised you, and why is that? And that's, this is a question I asked Oprah, by the way. <laughs> so no pressure that you've asked Oprah this. No, 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 no absolutely no pressure this. on this one, not at all. So I think my answer around here is around, well, we're in Cannes, yep. and it's all about creativity. And there's a real struggle in terms of how do we make incredible work on the new platforms that we're seeing, and yet so many of the principles remain the same from the past. Right. It's about engaging with audiences. It's about the need to really tell wonderful stories, but to find to do it in new, concise ways. And I love the fact that people are experimenting more and having more fun and actually making more these days. Well, it's democratization of it because it's access. Because when you and I started in the business, it was like, let's do that 30. Let's do that big print ad, but that democratization has just flattened things out. And you, yeah. I mean, it's like you see some good, you don't, you see some not so great, but that's part of the beauty of creativity is that it's not a linear path. I agree, and the whole make stuff, innovate, test, don't be afraid to fail. Yeah, I think that's really important. Which I think there's always been a thing in creativity around having to be perfect. Right. But actually, sometimes done is better than perfect. Yeah, and yeah, perfection is so overrated. <laughs> It really is. What's the most interesting conversation you've had recently? I was recently um, in South Africa, Ooh. and I got to host a lunch in Soweto, about four doors away from where Nelson Mandela lived and where his home was uh, before he went into prison. And I was with uh, a number of small business owners, women, who were talking about how they had used Facebook to grow their businesses internationally. And the one that really stood out was a woman that had a jewelry business who was actually selling, revitalizing the old craft of beads uh, and the use of beaded jewelry in Africa that she was now selling in New York and in London and in various places around the world. And the, she was so proud that she had 100,000 followers on Instagram and a fabulous feed. And a good business. A great, a great business. She now employs eight people. She has a, a physical store, but actually most of her business What's is it mobile. Called? It's called Nijolie. 
what well, I can get you the pronunciation properly. No, I think you got it perfectly. <laughs> oh, I try. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. No, that's very, very cool. And you see that all the time. I mean, you see it's it's not so much because we're here at big brands everywhere, uh, but you see smaller brands. I mean, I know from my from my case, a freelancer, I work for the college savings plan in Oregon, and it helped transform the way that people thought about investing in school. So, I mean, there is that transformative effect when it's done right. I agree with that. And we're seeing that actually some of the most innovative uses of uh, Facebook and Instagram actually come from the small business owners. Mm -hmm. uh, they find interesting ways around it. They're very closely connected to their customers. So they're testing and learning all of the time. What are you inspired by? So I'm inspired by my children. Uh, I have four children. Uh, oh, I forgot you had four. Oh, yeah. wow. A girl and three boys. Gabby, Ooh. she's 20. And then my boys are 18, 15, and 12. Amazing. And so I learn from them every day. And particularly so in, you know, in, in this new digital world that we all live in, how it is so natural and just of them. But also the difference with the eight-year age gap between the youngest and the eldest, it's really interesting to see how they've adapted in different ways too. Right, because it, that's that's it. To us age, it's like, ah, oh, it's not that much, but in terms of just the way that they perceive and work with the world, it's Totally, massive. and also from a tech adoption perspective, so my youngest is the most using voice when it comes to phones and technology, which I think is quite an interesting insight. So I'm learning from them every day. Let's go to the must list. What is a must do? Do things that you're afraid of, definitely. That's a good one. Why is that? Because then that's when you learn the most and it takes you out of your comfort zone and it usually leads to interesting things. You had started your career at BBH when you were 20. Were you scared of that? I mean, was, was there some fear or was it a combination of fear and excitement? It was so exciting because not only that, I was moving from living uh, in Manchester and moving down to London. So it kind of was a massive change in my life, working for one of the coolest companies in the world, making the best ads. I was just filled with excitement, which I think kind of covered up the fear. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Been there. What's a must experience? Looking up in a city. No one's given this answer, and I love this answer. Please explain. So I get to travel a lot. Sure. And one of the things that I realize, and I'm always telling my kids as well, is sometimes put the phone down and just look up. And it comes from living in London where the architecture and the buildings and just looking around and, and absorbing you always see something different. If the sun is on a building in a different way, it makes it feel different. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I try to do is to really make sure when I'm traveling and I'm going around places, just to take a moment to pause, I guess to be mindful, I'm in the yeah, moment, yeah, yeah. and to experience. Every city has its own feeling and smiles and sounds and just to, ex to appreciate how lucky I am. Is there an experience where you looked up and you're like, wow, that was pretty amazing, whether it was in London, New York? So many places. I always find it amazing how much stuff is put on the top of buildings, especially <laughs> older buildings. Right. And you sort of wonder why they were doing that and what inspired them to, to put those things out and who were they doing it for? Right. Maybe themselves, maybe future generations, but I love that. And there's so, usually so much cheekiness and playfulness that's there as well. I love it. What's a must read? It's a new one that I'm reading at the moment, which I haven't finished yet, but I would definitely commend it, which is a book called Emperor of All Maladies. And it's a book about the history of cancer research over the last 5,000 years. Mm -hmm. The reason I really like it is about, it's, it speaks so much to the, the fact that we don't learn lessons from history. And also we sometimes put aside people that at the time seem like they're the crazy ones because mm -hmm. they go against the common view of the world. And there's one story in the book that really resonated where there was a guy who kind of kept saying, what about this? What about this? And he got fired from his job. And then 20 years later, he won the Nobel Prize for science. 
And so just thinking about that and making sure that we're always asking ourselves, what, what are the crazy ones saying? Maybe they got it right. Yeah, there's a, there's a quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's, be nice to misfits. Their idea may be paying your salary. <laughs> I love that. It's very true. Uh, what is a must learn? So I think something that my parents have instilled in me from being tiny was that people and relationships matter. Invest in people. It's the most important thing. Be there for people, whoever they are. People will be there for you. When did you notice that in your career first? I mean, getting an instilled in family is an amazing foundation, but when did that become present to you in yeah, your work? It, so from very early on, I remember becoming, I guess, phone friends with John Bartle's PA way before the graduate process started. And I kept asking if I could just take 20 minutes of John Bartle's time because right. I wanted to ask him about the agency and to learn from him. And eventually this amazing lady, Sue, said yes. She let me in. Um, what I didn't realize it was it was going to work against me because then when it came to the graduate recruitment process, John Bartle declared that he couldn't say anything about me because he'd met me before and felt that it would be an unfair advantage to say anything. Oh. But the point remains was Sue put herself out for me to give me 20 minutes of a, you know, a CEO's time. That was valuable and precious and it was a good lesson learned from my perspective. I'm often reminded and amazed about how like the little things, they, they may seem little but they really truly are big and transformative for people. I think it's all about the little things, especially when it comes to people. What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? So actually I'm gonna turn the question around. I like that you did this, by I the way. am. <laughs> I'm gonna like turn this. it around because I'm gonna, and it goes back to my kids, yeah. and I'm gonna share a question that my husband has never get asked. Okay. And that annoys me. He never gets asked, and I get asked it all the time, oh, how do you cope with four children? And I think, you know, that speaks volumes that in 2017, I get asked it all the time. How can I possibly work and be a mom and have four kids? And he's never been asked it. He's a dad and he works too. Yeah. So I think it speaks a lot about the fact that whilst we might talk a lot about diversity and, you know, the drummer's done a huge amount on this, on equality. There's so much unconscious bias that we can't help but ask ourselves if you're having an interview, you know, how do you do it? And right. so that's the question I would like people to start asking men of children more. How do they cope? Okay, so I'm in that boat. You want me to answer it? Yes. Uh, everybody plays their role. And everybody has to learn the other. It's like work. I mean, everybody should learn other roles so that you step in when you need to. But you should have your primary role and your responsibility. But it's everyone's responsibility to make sure things go well. So I cook a lot. I do the shopping. I do the cleaning. I do the laundry. Love that. So What's your best dish? Uh, gnocchi, homemade. Oh, nice. I'm half Italian. Okay, that's posh. <laughs> yeah. I'll make it for you next time I'm in London. I'm going to hold you to that. Fair point. <laughs> Here's where I compliment you. Um, we first met, gosh, I want to say four, four, five, four, four or five. Let's just call it four or five. The thing that really struck me was... I, I fancy myself an optimistic person. Um, you, you make me look dour at times. <laughs> I, I mean, and honestly, I, I've met a lot of people in this industry, and, and a great number of them are optimistic, and they're upbeat, and they're energetic. I've just really appreciated that optimism, but I also just really appreciate the care that you give to people, no matter the level that they're at. I mean, I love the fact that you make the most junior person feel like the most important person in the world. And I've seen it. I don't think, you know, I've, I've just watched you and observed what you've done. And I really appreciate that because it's really hard to keep that up. It's really hard to balance that. 
but I think it speaks volumes to your leadership. And my sense is, and, and I firmly believe this, is that the people that you interact with will be better professionals and better people because of that. I, I mean, honestly, it's just, uh, it, it's always a joy. When we, had our first, when we had our first conference call, when I was up in the mountains of central Oregon, it was like between you and Mark Darcy, I mean, it was like two rays of sunshine. Yours is English, his is Kiwi. Um, <laughs> But I love that. I mean, I just, I, I love that. And I know that that's never going to go away. And I hope that you understand how important and valuable that is. So that's where I compliment you. Is that accurate, would you say? Do people Thank say that about you? I'm definitely one of life's um, optimists. Yeah. Somebody once described me that, Nicola, you don't even have a glass half full or empty. Your glass is just like overflowing <laughs> with positivity in terms yeah. of how you see the world. I think life is very precious and I'm incredibly grateful to do the things that I do and to have the family and the friends that I have. And I just want to make the most out of it and pack as much in as I can. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they want for a minute or two. Without further ado, the floor is yours. Okay, so we're in Cannes. Doug and I are sat overlooking the sea. It's Let's just pause for it's, a moment and just say yeah, how lucky plush. we are yeah. to, to be doing this right now. But I think that's what I kind of want to reflect on is what the conversations that are happening here at Cannes at the moment, which is about the speed and the change and the rapid pace of change that we're seeing, not just in our industry, but I think in society in general as well. And I think back to those early days at BBH 25 years ago. And, you know, even back to my first Cannes that I think was about 14 years ago. And so much has changed. Or just even looking about how much has changed since Facebook was created 13 years ago. Or when I started at Facebook four years ago, we were really just a blue app and we just acquired Instagram. And now we're a whole family of apps and services, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger, Oculus, satellites taking us into the world of VR and AI and AR. So I think we're seeing a whole new way of how people are connecting together, not just in towns and villages, but across the world. And I think that's exciting. But I think it's also about what's causing the change and, and why it's moving so quickly. And I think the video has been a huge part of this. And actually from a Facebook perspective, we're seeing a threefold increase in the amount of video that is being watched and uploaded onto Facebook. And so where we are today is that there's now 100 million hours of video that's being watched every single day on Facebook. And it doesn't matter if it's a big business or a small business, 50% of small businesses on Facebook have actually uploaded a video. Most people have now uploaded a video as well. And Cisco are telling us that by 2020, so it's not very far away, 82% of all um, traffic on the internet is gonna be video. So one of the things that we're trying to do at Facebook is to think about how we can help people to engage with video more. We've got Facebook Live, where now one in five videos on Facebook are actually a live video. And then I think what people love about live is the fact that it's immediate, it's a little bit rough, it's a little, you know, you get to see behind the scenes. And it allows also to, for allows people to connect in a much more honest way, I think, with, with the brands and the people, celebrities that they care about and are passionate about. And one example that was, was born of sadness, but hopefully helped to contribute in a positive way was the recent Ariana Grande concert that was in Manchester. Manchester is my hometown. And so like many people, I was deeply affected by what happened um, with the terrorist incident. But here's Ariana Grande, you know, she came and she said, two weeks later, let's put on a concert. Let's show solidarity, let's show love. 
you know, let's bring people together. And she did the whole thing live on Facebook. Over 80 million people have watched that video and over half a million dollars has been raised so far from fundraising as a result of that single concert. So I love that. That money's going to the One Love Manchester Fund. And I just think it's a beautiful example of how people come together from all over the world, not just the people of Manchester. And so I think, you know, that gives me hope and that inspires me. To wrap up the show, we ask every guest to give one last piece of advice or wisdom. What would be your last word? Okay, um, that's a big one. <laughs> it's not a small question. No, it's a huge one. So I might turn to the wider creative industries because one of the roles that I'm fortunate to have is that in the UK, I co-chair the government's, the UK government's Creative Industries Council. And it's a joint forum between the creative industries and government. And so I get to see firsthand the positive impact that technology is having on the creative industries. So I can see businesses like Burberry, where they're pioneering whole new things through social media on the creation of new video games that are being created. But I also see the impact of how the different industries work and the speed of production and the challenges that are coming with all of that as well. And going right back to those early days, you know, on average a year, 25 years ago, I'd probably make a couple of executions, two TV ads and a couple of print ads and maybe a radio if it was a busy year. And now it's true. And now you're kind of creating thousands of different pieces of content, sometimes every single day. But it's this thing of when the industries come together and collaborate together, that's where I think some of the most interesting work is happening. And I think it's radically changing the way that people are discovering and sharing and experiencing content. And we've still got all this new stuff to emerge as well. The whole area of VR and AR, that's just emerging. We're right at the beginning of that today. So there's going to be a whole new spectrum of ways that people are going to come together. But at the heart of it, and coming back to Cannes, creativity has never, ever been more important than it is today. And how we can fit the biggest ideas in the world into our hands. That's the challenge that I think is exciting. So I think it's about the continued kind of co collaboration and combination of the data and the art and the science coming together and ultimately to get creative that is so good it stops your thumbs in its track. So to get there, you've got to move fast, you've got to take risks. And I'm going to end with the words of the incredible Eleanor Roosevelt, who said, you've got to do the things that you think you cannot do. Love it. Nicola, always a great pleasure seeing you. Here so, we are in lovely Cannes. And uh, best wishes for continued success, and thank you so much for your support for this issue, but also your support for the industry as well. Oh, thank you, Doug. It's been an honor to do this with you.